Welcome back to the Sharpen the Sword podcast. Today's podcast is actually an interview that I did with Ian Bach, who is the podcast host of Bach Talk. We talked a little bit about NFL cheerleading, what I do as a trainer and coach at Adrenaline, and a few other fun questions. I will link all of his information and his podcast information below in the show notes, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Bach Talk. We have a, our guest today is Andrea Sneed. She is currently an NFL cheerleader with the Cincinnati Bengals, and she is a trainer at Adrenaline Sports and Fitness. She graduated Ohio University with a BS uh, in food and nutrition science. And uh, welcome on. Did I get the where you trained correctly? Yes, you did. Okay. I'm very proud. Yes. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, I'm a terrible reader, so I was very I, – I, I was going through it, and I was like, ah, I forgot to ask. But but anyways, uh, let's start talking about, like, how you're an NFL cheerleader and everything. Um, what's your schedule like with all that? Because, like, I've heard about it, and, um, like, it's more dance-related than anything, but kind of, like, go over how that really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our schedule, they do require you – so this is a job for us, but they also want you to have a full-time job. So they don't want it to be the full thing that you're doing. So maybe you're a full-time student or you have another job. Um, So a lot of our practices will be in the evening. So typically our schedule looks like Tuesday and Thursday practice from 6.30 or 7 o'clock to 9.30 at night. And then over the summer, we have a few added Wednesday practices, maybe some Saturday practices. Uh, But that's what our practice schedule looks like may through december we also do a lot of events and appearances those can be throughout the week or on the weekend and that's something that you just kind of get asked to do and then of course um, all the sunday home games so for me as a trainer i actually get up at 4 a.m for work every morning because i teach early morning classes before the day starts so sometimes that's a little hectic for me um you know getting home late kind of trying to decompress after a big crazy practice and then making sure you get enough hours of sleep and then getting up for work going through the whole day so that's been an adjustment for me Um, but we have a lot of people last year we had a news anchor on our team so she had to be at work at 3 a.m in the every morning Uh, so I know that was a struggle for her we have a lot of night nurses and people that work night shifts so it's definitely a little crazy sometimes yeah but it's manageable (laughs) Yeah, like 3 a.m.? Wow. (laughs) How do you – so what were the other – like what are the events you have to do when like it's not Sunday – like not game day or whatever? Like what other events do you have to really do? So we actually – and it's funny. My rookie year, one of the first things our director said to us was, you know, it's very important and you're here to dance and cheer, but that makes up about 20% of what we actually do. Um, We only have about eight home games a season. So those are the only times that we're actually on the field. Um, Besides that, we obviously dance at practice, but we do a lot of different uh, charity and community events and appearances throughout the season starting in May. So I just did one um, this weekend for Memorial Day weekend. There was one I did last year that I really enjoyed for breast cancer awareness, uh, where the city of Cincinnati, they put on a big event in Fountain Square. And so they had some of the cheerleaders come out. Um, A lot of times it's just interacting with the community. Sometimes the players have different charity events and 
they'll have us kind of come to support. And those things, I think that everybody on the team really enjoys that aspect of it. We all really love to dance, but um, being able to interact, especially with the kids, is something that we all really enjoy. Yeah, what a, what like a uh, what charity events for like players have you have you gone to? So there was one last year, um, Carlos Dunlap. He did this was one of my favorite events to go to. He at the beginning of fall put on a back to school charity event where he went and it's through his funda- foundation. He bought a ton of back to school supplies and went to one of the parks in Cincinnati and just was like open invitation. You know, maybe if you can't afford supplies for your kids to go back to school or they just want to come hang out. He bought a ton of food, um, drinks, these blow ups. He had a DJ and that was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. I think that was one of my favorite um, appearances probably of the season, just because it's really cool to see, you know, these guys go out and make a difference in our community. It's really cool to see how excited like these kids get to, you know, come out and be around their favorite football players. And he had a few other players that showed up for that too. So that was something it's kind of just rewarding to see that, you know, these guys have worked really hard to be in the positions that they are. And then, you know, giving back to a community, anything where I can be a part of something in Cincinnati is something that's really rewarding for me. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Cause like, I heard that you, like you had to go to uh, like other events and whatever, but I didn't really know. Cause I figured it was more like, community related but i wasn't 100 percent sure mm-hmm. and yeah so like are there any like specific rules that are just like weird that you guys have to follow throughout the year with like anything or can you like talk can you talk about that or no yeah so i think what's really cool about my organization and every organization is different when it comes to this um so i can really only speak for the Bengals on this part but we have and again this has changed over the years you know i think that Cheerleading's definitely been under um, like scrutiny, definitely in the media and everything. But one thing that our director and coaches tell us is that, you know, we're just kind of giving you guidelines. This is a job. Um, you are to come and, you know, be professional. So just like you would in any other job, um, you know, show up, look nice, you know, carry yourself well, even when you go out into the public, too. Uh, we don't have any like hardcore rules. The things that we kind of go over as a team, um, one big one that I think kind of gets misconstrued oftentimes is that we're supposed to maintain um, a fitness and kind of diet regimen. And I think that that's kind of like an unsaid rule for a lot of professional sports. You know, if you're not following pretty strict training and diet. I think that you definitely see a lack in your performance. And that comes from me saying that as an athlete for the Bengals, but also just because of my job, I truly believe that. So sometimes I know I've heard people kind of scrutinize NFL trillion for saying that they hold girls in this negative body image and say that they have to be on these crazy diets, which is not true at all, at least for us. Um, And one thing I will definitely applaud our coaches for is they're very big on strength training. That is one thing that they tell us, like, you have to be strength training in some capacity. Um, You know, you don't have to be hitting the weight six times a week if you don't want to, but you have to at some point just because they believe that's such a fundamental um, and really helps increase your endurance and how you perform on the field. Um, I know a lot of teams, and I get asked this a lot, um, a lot of teams – 
maybe have rules around like being around players. Um, that's not something that we have. We don't have any rule. Again, like I said before, you know, we do charity events where we're with players. Um, our Christmas party, we were around players like we are a lot. And I think that that's one thing our organization wants the community to see us working as professionals together and not like this kind of divided mm-hmm. can't talk to each other kind of thing. Um, so we don't have any kind of rules about that. Again, our coaches always just tell us, you know, carry yourself in a professional manner. Treat this just like you treat your other job. Um, would you act inappropriately with somebody at your day job? Probably not. So don't do it here. Um, I really kind of respect that about our organization. I think they very much treat us like adults. Um, other than that, we don't have anything really crazy. I've definitely heard some crazy things about other teams, but that's how we run things. And it honestly, it works very well for us. So, yeah. Cause with the diets, I was always wondering that, like if, if you guys had to be on a specific one or if like, or kind of if everybody like comes together, I just, I, are there different types of like diets that, that you've tried that people are like on a lot or kind of like, if that makes sense? Yeah. So again, like, they very much put it in our responsibility to, you know, take that on and do what we think is best for our body and works best for our lifestyle. We do have a sponsor. So Terry Bryan Fitness in Kenwood, they sponsor us and they are a resource for us as a gym. So we can go for personal training, group training and um, work with a nutritionist and, you know, do a different diet assessment. They have different things to help us there. Our coaches pretty much say you it's up to you it's on you you just have to come to us with some sort of plan so we have to be able to show our coaches like hey this is what i'm doing i'm working out at this gym or here's my workout schedule for the week for so many weeks and this is kind of like the diet i'm on um actually for me personally so i used to back when i was younger struggle a lot with um an eating disorder and it wasn't something that really kind of came up a lot through college and then when I tried out for cheer and I made the team it's something that I didn't even really realize but I kind of kind of ended up slipping back into those old habits because I was trying to be very disciplined with my eating and it kind of backfired on me a little bit so that was something that I experienced I think that in any kind of sport like this even like bodybuilding or people who compete there is just that bigger risk for things like eating disorders because it is very much based on how you look and what you're eating and putting into your body um our coaches that was something i discussed with them throughout the season and they were very supportive of me you know having to get the necessary help that i need and backing off of the particular diet i was on so again something that i think our coaches do well is understanding that, you know, there's not one single approach that's going to work for all 28 girls on our team. Um, again, it does put a lot of responsibility on us as individuals. So there are some people who get benched throughout the season or may not get certain opportunities that other people get because they are slacking in certain areas. Um, but they do try to provide us resources for nutrition and fitness. Yeah, like I, I feel like a lot of people really don't know that that's a big thing is the eating disorders within like bodybuilding mm-hmm. or whatever. Because I was actually watching, it's on my TV right now. Uh, it's uh, an interview with Ross Edgley and Steve Cook, and they talk about kind of how the fitness industry is as a whole. And he's like, I could, uh, Steve Cook was like, 
I really don't want to be in a competition anymore just because like you would have to diet, diet, diet. And then once you do the thing, you're like, well, that's the best I'll ever be in shape. And like he would see that he was going down this path to where like he could only eat this specific stuff and he couldn't enjoy food and he just didn't treat food as like something that was enjoyable. It was more of a task. But yeah, like I, I really didn't know that um, that you had an issue with that. And like, what uh, were there? Spe- okay, were there any types of food that you thought you knew were good for you, but and they ended up actually being bad, or the other way, like they were bad that they were actually really good? Like for for me? Yeah, yeah. So. I think I'm answering your question correctly. Um, yeah, it wasn't explained that well. Through, <laughs> you're fine. So it's funny because, and I really, I haven't talked about it much, um, my issues with like eating uh, disorders. But as I went through the season, and it's crazy because, you know, my background is in nutrition. That's what I went to school for. So sometimes when I talk about it to people, they're like, wait, you had an eating disorder, but you study nutrition. How does that happen? Um, which it totally can happen. I knew a lot of people I went to school with who were kind of in the same boat, but there were, it got to a point when I was in my pure season and I was trying to be super strict. I was like, the season's coming up and I'm just a very competitive person and I like to challenge myself. So even though I was doing great on the plan I was on, I'm like, oh, I have to take it to the next level. So I got to this point where I was like restricting, restricting, restricting. And I'm like, oh, I can't eat anything but like vegetables, chicken, and like a protein shake, which maybe for like a bodybuilder or somebody who's trying to diet down to get on stage, that might be okay for, you know, their last few weeks, but it's definitely not sustainable for anybody long-term. And like, I knew that. And in my head, I kept taking out all these foods that I needed, especially because it's hard in our sport because you have to look good, but you also have to perform well. Our games are about four hours long and we dance and move the entire time except for halftime. So it's extremely physically taxing and that's one thing they tell us too like your endurance level has to be there um because you'll hurt yourself you could pass out i mean anything and so i was trying to restrict all these foods and then i had no energy and i couldn't practice well and that was something i think when i first told a few of my friends they were like well you know this stuff like how are you letting this happen to yourself and i think sometimes you just don't realize when you're in it Um, But that was one thing I started to kind of have this fear of foods that I knew deep down. I knew they weren't bad for me, but I was kind of creating that fear myself. And that's kind of what goes along with disordered eating. Um, There's actually a few foods that now I just totally keep out of my diet. So something I try to do now is like I have to be very aware of different cues and triggers that can set up set off different disordered eating Mm -hmm. patterns for myself and something which. I didn't realize until somewhat recently is like protein bars. And I think that just, I try to eat a very whole food diet. I try not to eat a lot of processed foods just because sugar and salt in general, things like that can increase your appetite, make you feel hungry and not satisfied. Uh, But protein bars are actually something, and I used to have like a protein bar a day. It's just, it's quick, it's easy. You know, you can throw it in your bag and have it with you, but that's something that I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call that a bad food. And, you know, I recommend protein bars to clients who may not get enough protein in their diet or somebody who needs something to crave a, like a little bit of like a sweet tooth craving. But for me, that's something it's kind of like a trigger for me and I just can't have protein bars. Huh. So, 
yeah that was kind of my that was my bad but like we kind of went off but but yeah that's 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 interesting with the protein bars because i i love them but like mm-hmm. i don't eat them every day but like if i have a high training day like i'll definitely throw one in my bag like for later on in the day mm-hmm. but but yeah but no i think they're helpful but that's they're it's different with everybody but mm-hmm. exactly. but but with your uh with your training how long have you been a trainer for so let's see my sophomore year in college so five years now wow yes Have i was you- i worked at a gym in three for three years in college and then um i've been working at adrenaline now so after college i started at adrenaline what uh what ages do you train the people at adrenaline so i teach group um adult classes right now and i really enjoy that when i was in college i my youngest client that i ever trained was a 14 year old and then my oldest was actually 95 years old and i had everything in between so in college i got a lot of really good one-on-one experience with people of all ages right now i just do group adult classes and then i work with high school um, cheerleaders and dancers which that's kind of like my favorite thing to do um we do a lot of athlete training at our gym and personally i don't not that i don't like to work with younger kids but i kind of need like that that niche like the girls who kind of do similarly what i do and then it's it's cool to be able to educate them on the importance of you know strength training and conditioning specifically for their sport yeah like my uh my one buddy when we were talking he was uh he did training with I forget who he did at the beginning, but then he went to like a normal gym and he was used to training like college athletes like himself and then like some professionals, but he went back and he started training like average people and he was like amazed how much honestly like different it is compared to an athlete because he was used mm-hmm. to everybody being so normal like like the basic stuff like a basic push up a basic squat like he's like a lot of these people just physically couldn't do a lot of the stuff or they just weren't that athletic like have has that um mm-hmm. is that hard to do with because like of how used to like everything that you've been doing like breaking it down to the absolute basics yeah absolutely i um i do do make the mistake sometimes of you know we have new people that come in and they're doing group classes and you know we'll write our work up about out on the board before the workout and I'll be like okay so here you're going to do a push-up or you're going to do a squat and you know again like you said those are basic things that we assume people know and then I realize they're kind of staring at me with a blank face and I'm like oh crap like they they have no idea what I'm talking about so yeah breaking it down to that level sometimes it's hard because I'm think I'm just kind of assuming I have gotten better at typically what I like to ask people when it's their first time is so what experience do you have in a gym? And usually they'll say like, oh, you know, I used to go to LA Fitness and use some of the machines, but other than that, I've done nothing. Or I worked with a trainer like twice. Or some of them say, this is the first time I've ever been here. Um, so that that's definitely challenging. I, especially sometimes with kids. So I work, like I said, kind of with high school girls. And a lot of time, I know I got into lifting when I was in high school. Um, but that was just something I was very interested in so a lot of girls that age right now aren't and I kind of assume the same thing like oh do a squat and they do their version of a squat which is not a squat or they just have no idea so especially with kids you know sometimes you have to take it all the way back to like body awareness like just getting them aware of like where they are in their body we have people too who like 
they start to run and I'm like, oh my gosh, you're running wrong. I'm like, how do, how do people run wrong? But I mean, there's a form for everything. So. Yeah. So have, have you, uh, like working with these people, have you learned and like taken more stuff with you in like your training that you've learned from like just basic stuff, like simple running? Like, are there things that you kind of look at now and you're like, Oh, okay. Absolutely. With running for sure. I think, you know, I, I'll, I kind of, I, cause I see these things in other people as a trainer, you know, you're standing and you're, you're kind of analyzing everything that people are doing and then I realized, especially with running, I'll be running. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm like, my shoulders are forward and, you know, all these different things. And I'd say more so it's like that with running, um, not too much with others. I used to, in when I was a trainer in um, college, I definitely noticed that a lot. I feel like I've gotten to the point now where like I'm, I'm comfortable with mm-hmm. my form and how things, you know, but it, it definitely, I used to think about that all the time. Yeah. Like the, like when, uh, when, when my, when my buddy was saying that I, I kind of like thought and I was like, it's just stuff that you don't think about at all. And <laughs> like, it's, it's very, I think it's very interesting because in order to really understand what you're doing, you have to go down to the basics and, that's kind of mm-hmm. like how that because that that's how sports is like with a like for example we have this one guy in double A and he had to completely relearn how to hit like he was in double A all last year and he didn't play one game and he had to completely completely relearn the basics like I think it's mm-hmm. like breaking down everything and then building it back up is one of the hardest things you can do with your body um, and just coming from that with the baseball side but. Um, uh, one thing that I think is interesting is what shoes do you train in? For like, that's this regularly exa- all the time. Exa- like, so there are different types of shoes. Like you can train Converse, you can mm-hmm. train in regular shoes, you can train in lifting shoes. Like, do you, do you like go about different days using different shoes or like, do you really think there are benefits for the shoes in general? Personally, I like to train without my shoes on, and I can do that without it being gross or weird in the gym that I work at, um, so I typically am there by myself when I'm working out, so I just work out in my socks. I like to be flat-footed when I lift, typically. Um, one thing that I'm very, if I am just working out in regular shoes, like, I don't even know the type of, they're Adidas that I usually wear. Um, but if I'm running, I absolutely have a pair of ASICs that I wear. I 100% notice a difference, um, in how like my joints feel when I ran in shoes that aren't supportive for me. Um, ASICs tend to be the best for me running wise, even at practice. Like we do 30 minutes of conditioning at the end and I absolutely have to bring shoes to change into every single time because if I run one time, not my ASICs, I, I feel it. Um, I always, if I'm doing a lower body day and I'm lifting, I always wear Converse. Just, I like to be flat footed if I'm not wearing, I mean, if I'm not taking my shoes off other than that though, I don't think 
I pay much else attention to it. Yeah, um, yeah. Like the the race. It's a weird question because like I can't train in Converse at all. So there was really? w- there was one day where I did legs and I was like, all right, let's try Converse. And I couldn't walk the next day on my right leg. So like when I was younger, I, I when I was younger, I had this thing called prothase and they the bone literally disintegrates and you have to regrow it. So the bone the bo- uh, the bone is egg shaped, not oval now. So I can't be completely flat footed if I'm doing legs. But like I love lifting shoes. So like with the arch, like uh, I think they're called Ronaldos or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I trained in those mm-hmm. and I love those and they were fine. But like I can't train in Converse because I phys- like I physically can't. And I always like asking people like have they ever had anything weird and like. Nobody's ever had anything weird like that, and <laughs> yeah, <just> you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously, it's it's weird, but no, I just people because people people really don't notice like what shoes people wear, but that's just that's just me. I do think it is important though. Like I think people have the way that our feet are different. Like I know some people. I know a lot of people say they like to train in like flat footed, like a Converse for like day. But then I know some people have said that that's uncomfortable for them for different reasons. You're the first person I know that's ever said that, but I, th- I think it can make an impact the shoes that you're wearing. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, I was training in regular shoes, just regular, like Adidas, like boosts. Mm-hmm. And then I started wearing lifting shoes and like everything has gone up and like the stability is way better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another, so you're very big into yoga, right? Yes. <laughs> so what is i've never done aerial yoga because the shit scares me but i love hot yoga <laughs> I, I love hot yoga but like what what exactly is aerial yoga if i'm even pronouncing yeah, it right true. you are yeah um so aerial yoga is basically they hang what they call silks from the ceiling and they're like anchored in at the top and they specifically adjust them for your height. And the point of aerial yoga is you get into so many different restorative postures that help decompress your back. So I, for a little while, struggled with like kind of bad posture. And it was creating a lot of back pain for me. So it's something I kind of try to uh, pay attention to now. But especially just, I try to do different types of restorative yoga um, during the week. Because I usually work out twice a day. I'm decent hard on my body throughout the season um so I really feel a lot of different you know tenseness and tightness up in my neck and my back so for me kind of being able to decompress my spine and usually the ones that I go to are 75 minutes long so after that like I feel they do kind of um some things that help increase your mobility too um and a lot like flexibility like a lot of other yoga classes but my body feels great when I come out of there. I mean, my body feels great after hot yoga, but it, it's a it's a totally different feeling. They try to put you upside down a lot, um, which is kind of the point of being able to like suspend yourself in the air. Shit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that would go. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's, it's actually it, it looks harder than it is. Yeah, that would be that would be interesting. I'll take my my one buddy. <laughs> I t- I took my one buddy. I got him into hot yoga, and. The first time he almost passed out, but the second time he was getting better. And then I think the like uh, the person who was leading or the trainer, or whatever, she like laughed at my buddy like midway in the session because he just fell. And oh my gosh! Oh yeah, awesome! It was awesome. 
but um but like why what are the big benefits for for hot yoga is it just like like i like it i feel like more i get a better stretch but what are the like actual benefits towards it yeah so um the main benefit so other than like you know increased flexibility um with any type of yoga class kind of the mental reset like letting your mind relax um if people don't know much about yoga you're supposed to link you know your breath to movement um so those are just kind of the initial benefits but also so there's actual studies that have shown then be that being in that type of heat for prolonged amount of periods actually helps reduce heart disease um so like say if you do that at least once a week if you're exposed to that really really hot setting and you're sweating like that um it's really good for your heart health and i actually have um, a lot of heart disease in my family so that's something that you know i kind of prioritize i try to go to hot yoga like two to three times a week um also just being able to sweat helps kind of detoxify your body a little bit it does help really get those toxins out of your body especially so and this just depends from yoga class to yoga class but some teachers will do different breathing practices um maybe at the beginning or the end of a practice and those combined with the heat, again, is supposed to be really good for kind of detoxing your body. Um, let's see. There's one other I am not thinking of off the top of my head. Um, oh, it's it's just good for your um, respiratory system, too. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different benefits to it. Even um, regular yoga. Like if you don't like hot, I know a lot of people do say that, you know, they do feel like they're going to pass out the first few times, which most people do. I felt like that my first time too. It's kind of getting over that initial hump, but yoga's great. What, uh, have you, have you like heard of the cold therapy stuff? Like chirotherapy? Like, it's like where you just, like you have the, well, there's, you can do like the shower where you're in the shower and you put like as cold water as you can and you try and last and like supposedly helps your immune system or whatever. Like, have you like, I think it's, I think it's whatever you just said, the whatever therapy it was. Yeah, the chirotherapy. Yeah, yeah, so I've done that before. And then I know, so this is funny because I actually just was reading um, a study on this like two days ago, uh, kind of like the theory behind like ice baths. And uh, one of my friends had sent it to me because he's like, says he's like, if I'm ever sick, I go and do like those three minute Cairo therapy sessions because you're like in that extreme cold for three minutes and he's like I swear to you like instantly I just like my symptoms are gone and I don't get sick afterwards and I do know that there's a lot of studies that say that that really really cold like shock to your body and having like those hot extremes too like if you introduce your body to different cold extremes during the week and different hot extremes during the week it actually like boosts your immune system um and then I know too, it's just good for like circulatory reasons, which I think has another reason to do with like being good for your immune system and being able to kind of cycle out those toxins and different things. Um, yeah, I've like, done, yeah, I've done those before and I really like them. I know they're supposed to be good for muscle recovery too. And that's why like athletes will do ice baths and things. Yeah, no, like I love ice baths, but I try and do the shower thing and I just like, I can't last cause I'm like, I, I hate being I my well my thing is I hate being cold. Oh, it's mm-hmm. brutal. It's brutal. Like being down here in Texas and literally sweating every single second is <laughs> awesome. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Yeah, I don't like the cold shower thing either. I've tried that and I'm like, nope, not for me. No, I just 
it's I don't see the point in absolutely destroying myself with that. That's my <laughs> like I'll, I'll go to like extend and stuff like specific training, but it's like nah, I can't sit in a cold shower for thirty seconds and yeah. my body try and like breathe and stuff. I'm like no, that's that's too much for me. But <laughs> but with uh, so how many how many social media accounts do you have? <laughs> Like on it, honestly, That's like I was, I was like trying to figure it out. I was like, is it three? Is it two? Is it four? I don't really know. Like what's. <laughs> That's funny that you asked that. Yeah. So, um, I do have three, I have my personal account and then I have Andrea Renee fitness, which I've had for a little while. And then now I have, um, since each your strength, which I don't use as much. I should use, um, but basically that's just the brand of, so I, I train, I work at Adrenaline Sports and Fitness and then I have my own kind of business in that where, and that's where I train, you know, cheerleaders, dancers, um, athletes for their sport. And that is Cincy Cheer Strength. So how do you like consistently do content with that? Because like, that's something that I'm trying to do right now and I still suck at it. Like my sister, she's very good at it. Like she has her own fla- uh, fashion blog. God, I can't even talk. And she oh, wow. and she's like, you got to do content all the time. And then she's like, she uh, like she, she's like, why'd you, you post it and didn't do anything with it? I'm like, well, what, what, what am I? <laughs> she's like, you got to do this, this and this. Like, I'm thankful that I have her to, to help me. But like, like, how do you keep content up? Like, do you have a schedule with it or is it just kind of here and there? Or how do you do that? Yeah, so I'm I'm bad. I. I'd say that I don't keep up with it very well. Um, there's sometimes where I try and then sometimes I don't. What has worked for me in the past and what I try to be good about doing is I do, I'll like at the beginning of the week, I'll put kind of a schedule in my phone and my notes. I'll put like, you know, these are the days I want to upload. This is what I want to upload. And then like, this is the goal of my post. So one thing I have been trying to do, um, especially with my post on Andrew Renee Fitness, is provide some sort of like value um, you know, something where people can learn something or some sort of like kind of free content or something, whether it's like, I'm just posting, um, you know, like exercises for my workout, or I'm talking about a new diet or whatever it is. I try to provide some sort of value. Um, uh, that's hard. Cause it takes a lot of like planning and thought putting into it. I try to type out all my captions, like at the beginning of the week or something and have them in my notes or kind of start to type things that I want to talk about so that it, helps me kind of brainstorm throughout the week I am bad about it sometimes I'll go through phases where I'm really good at posting about stuff stuff and I'm very consistent and then like this just past week for example I did a little digital detox where I just deleted all the apps off my phone so I wasn't even like looking at social media or doing anything for an entire week and so that's maybe not the best thing for me though sometimes I I get to the bad habit of like, oh, I'll just get on my phone for the second and then 30 minutes later, I'm like scrolling through stuff and I'm wasting time. So for me, like that's a productivity thing. I need to, you know, get off my phone sometimes. But I think that the best approach for me has been scheduling it a week before, kind of typing it out in my phone, getting like the gears in my brain turning so that I can kind of publish like authentic type stuff and not things that feel forced 
if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, it does. Like the the number one thing that my sister would tell me, she said, she's like, you have to like put your face in the camera or whatever. She's like, mm-hmm. like she's she straight up looked at it. She's like, I'm pretty sure a robot runs this uh, account and not you. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's a good that's a good way to look at it. Like you got to look at more personality and everything. Like I don't know. I think it's I think the thing that sucks is. A lot of like in college, you, nobody tells you about social media. That everybody's like, "Oh, it's bad." Mm-hmm. Or even like, even with uh, like some organiza- like baseball organizations. Like I remember sitting in one of the social media ones, and they're like, "If you post, just um, just be aware." And they were kind of like, "Well, just don't post at all. Like, there's no point. We don't want to get in trouble. We don't want like you to get in trouble because mm-hmm. we've had stuff." But it was it was a very weird meeting. But like I think social media can be good, and it's 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 hard. Like I've really never mm-hmm. like doing it right now. I'm like, you got to be creative, and I'm like, it's it's hard for me just because I'm not the most creative person sometimes. But, but yeah, absolutely. I, I think there was one somebody told me this. I don't remember who it was, but they were like, make sure that all your posts are one entertaining and two educational. So like, and I, it is hard. I've heard to like put your face in it, like. And even my boss will say, you know, he's like, you never like post a video of you talking or like really have your face in it much. And I'm like, yeah, well, I don't like I hate taking pictures of myself like a selfie or something. And I don't really want to talk on camera either. Uh, But sometimes it's like your audience wants to know you kind of like your sister was saying, like it's a robot. (laughs) Yeah. Running your account. But I agree. You don't really like there. It's not like you really learn from it. It's, It's hard. You kind of have to learn from people who have done it well. Yeah, like when I've been trying to do like face stuff, uh, I've like I looked at the screen and I sat there for 15 minutes trying to get it right, and it was like 15 <laughs> seconds. I was in, and I was like, "All right, let's just look at the like actual camera and not at your mm-hmm. face." And then I got it. Like the like that helps me, but it's 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 hard. <laughs> it's it's a process. Yeah. It's a process. But like I always ask everybody this question, and it's kind of who do you really idolize i know it's cheesy but who do you really idolize like even in like society and fitness and anything like who do you really wish you could be in other words dang that's a hard question what if it's somebody that you don't know oh no like i don't yeah yeah like for uh, for here i'll give you my example my example is his name's ross edgley and he's he's a freaking man so he does all these – he is kind of a – he's an, a scientist slash adventurer. So he'll do all these experiments on himself like he swam around Great Britain in 150 days. He climbed a rope that was as tall as Everest like up and down, up and down and it did it for like 24 hours. And then he would just do all these like research things on himself, hypothesis and – he just all he does all these different things that nobody thinks of and he's just a cool dude like like I wish I could be him that would be a sick job <laughs> you literally just yeah, yeah cool. you just work out for a living and then you just study yourself so like that's a that's my example okay i'm going to say and probably just because this is like top of my brain right now but Rachel Hollis have you heard of her Rachel Hollis yes but she has a podcast um i just got finished i finished one of her books this weekend but i say that so i i came across her a while ago and she's just a very she owns two companies she's very successful she's a mom she has four kids does all of this stuff but she's very i just got done reading one of her books and it's like 
it was a really good book, but it was one of, and I read a lot. It was one of the most like authentic and honest books I've ever read in my entire life. Like she talked about her, um, how her older brother committed suicide when he was young. Um, the really like bad parts of her marriage. Um, they adopted one of their children and like some bad parts of just how that was hard on their family. She was very like real and authentic. And I've realized through um, her business and her podcast that she has like had a really positive impact on different women's lives. And a lot of that I think comes down to she has learned to be like so honest with people like herself and her journey. And I think that that really speaks to people like when you're really authentic and you're not trying to put on a show. And I feel like that's one part of, you know, even social media, people are always kind of trying to act, you know, like they have everything together or put off, you know, a different vibe than what's really going on. And one thing that I'm kind of bad about is communication and being very honest. Like I was telling you before, I don't really talk about, you know, my eating disorder much. And it just really for the reason it's just, it makes me uncomfortable and, you know, it's not a great part of my life. It's not something that I want to go and boast and brag about. And I think that that's a lesson to learn though, is that there's beauty actually. And, you know, the sad parts of life. And I think that somebody who is very successful like that almost has a responsibility to kind of show people that, you know, life is hard for everybody and there's struggles and that can pertain to anything in life, whether it's your job, your relationships, sports. Like I think we both can attest to none of those things are ever perfect. Um, but yeah, I just, that's somebody who I think I really want to be like that. And I'm kind of trying to challenge myself right now to be more like that. Uh, being more like open and honest with people and hopefully if somebody can relate to that kind of thing maybe they can ask me for help maybe I can help somebody else like you know the positive role models and mentors in my life have helped me yeah no that's that's cool I'm pretty sure I've heard I've heard of her but I like haven't gone in depth into her um yeah she's really cool <laughs> so she writes a lot of books mm-hmm what a yeah, well what books do you really like to read then um because like i i was asked this the other day honestly like if i actually if i read and i was like i can only read like stuff that will help me like i can't read fiction books at all like i'll fall Damn. asleep I, I, I will literally fall asleep it gets really bad but like i suck at reading but some books i can get into but like what books do you really like yeah, I'm a big nonfiction person. Like you said, like if it's not something I can learn from right now or like it's going to help me, I don't, I get very bored by it. When I was younger, I was really, really into reading like a ton of fiction stuff, which I think, you know, I've just, I became a really fast reader. So now I like to read a lot. Um, I read anything. So I like to read a lot of like self-development, uh, motivation kind of type things. And then I also like to read anything that has to do with like fitness, health, um, I'm actually a huge like psychology nerd. I like to read a lot about the brain and how different things like affect, you know, things in your body. Those are actually really hard books for me to get through because it's a lot of science and a lot of kind of boring crap that doesn't, yeah. you know, keep your attention. But I definitely read them from time to time. That's my favorite huh. stuff. Yeah, I, I literally just read books that are either like honestly like baseball or like training or whatever but that's mm -hmm. just that's just me but my la my last question is 
I ask this a lot to people. Um, do you like training or do you like working out or training in the morning or in the afternoon? Like I've had people where they're like, I love working on the morning just because it wakes me up or everything. And I've had an answer in the afternoon and they're like, I love going to work and working my mind and then going to the gym and working your body and then you're done. Like that's how some – that like – that, those are a couple answers or whatever. Like, what do you think is the most beneficial or what do you like to do? Absolutely, yeah. I personally, I'm a big, I like to work out in the morning. Like, it's a great way to start my day. I usually teach two morning group fitness classes and then I like to lift right after that. That's just when I feel like I have the most energy. I feel like I get the best lift in. Um, if I, when I'm doing cardio or yoga or something like that, I like to save those kind of workouts for towards the end of my day, which might be like afternoon or later on for me, the later it is in the day, the less likely I am to do it. So I just like to try to get it done as soon as possible because I kind of lose that motivation in the end of the day. Plus I just get more tired. I like to prioritize my workouts to where it's like the workout I want to focus on more or something I'm trying to do better do that in the morning so like my lift I try to lift pretty heavy and work on my strength so I do that first so I'm not exhausting myself with cardio or yoga or something else before that but I did just recently read a study that said that cardio more cardiovascular type of workouts are more effective in the morning and then lifting um, resistance training type workouts are more effective in the afternoon or evening so I thought that was interesting but I'm still going to do my lifts in the morning just because that's what works best yeah. for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like, I like working on the morning just because it wakes me up. But like, I'm not opposed to working mm-hmm. out at night at all, but, but yeah, but thank you very much for, uh, for doing this. I know it's kind of like all like random and everything, but I do appreciate everything with this. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I think we talked about a lot of good, interesting things today. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But again, thank you very much. Um, and I'm trying to think of who I might have on one of my friends come on who was an, uh, he was a world series champion. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see. We'll see if he comes on. He's, he said, yeah, but he's hard to get to, but yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you just gotta keep like, Oh yeah. Keep asking. You just gotta like do it until it's annoying. (laughs) That's what I do. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, but again, thank you very much. And, uh, Always, everybody, remember, be yourself.